Welcome to the Fresh Start Church Podcast, where we exist to influence a nation with revival. Here you'll find preached messages from our pastors. We pray that the spirit of revival is imparted to you as you listen. To watch live, check us out on YouTube or visit our website at freshstartaz.com. And to stay connected with us, be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of the strongholds of the enemy. Let faith arise. Let faith arise. Let faith arise. The Lord said, say 100%. 100%. Not 10%. Not 85%. But 100%. Faith. That our God is working by his spirit by his spirit let faith arise it's not by mind it's not by power it is by his spirit let faith arise in assessors keep praying keep praying well maybe some of you aren't in assessors today I said in assessors keep praying Keep believing. Keep your faith high. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of the strongholds of the enemy. Within just the last four or five days, we can see the enemy has played his hand the things that has been unlocked over our nation this last week is not really a surprise. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But faith must arise for a divine interruption. I want to walk in faith. Faith. What more shall I say, for time will fail me if I tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who by faith conquered kingdoms, who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword from weakness. They were made strong. They became mighty in war. They put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection and others were tortured, not accepting their release so that they might obtain a better resurrection. Oh, I'm going to keep reading. I said, we got to have faith. Faith no matter what. And others experience mocking and scourgings and chains and imprisonment and they were stoned and they were sawn in two and they were tempted and they were put to death with the sword and they went about in sheepskin and goatskin, destitute, afflicted, ill-treated, men of whom this world was not worthy, wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground and all 
all of these, all of these, the first part that I read and the second part that I read, all of these gained approval through their faith. They didn't receive everything in these latter parts, but they gained approval by their faith. The only thing that matters this morning is that you are standing in this room with faith in your spirit, knowing that no matter what it looks like, God is going to break through. Lift up a roar of faith all over this building this morning. Faith! 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 This is the time for the army of God to arise. This is the time for the army of God to arise. I want to speak to you this morning on turn the key and I did this in the in revival weekend this will be part two but I want to talk to you today about kingdom activation please tell your neighbor it is definitely time to turn the key come on activate the kingdom now, I'm a little short on time sort of but I'm going to take my time come on y'all Kingdom activation. And before we leave here today, hallelujah. Turning the key for healing in your life. Turning the key for deliverance and miracles in your life, in your family, in this nation. The church must rise in this crucial hour. It's, get out of your stupor. Come on, somebody. Get out of your shock. Come on. Stay on the wall in this crucial hour with faith. 100%, not 10%. I came across something here recently. And, and, and forgive me because I probably don't have all the, the specific things in the, in, the, in the little thing that I read. But basically it was communism versus Christianity, I believe. And how this person was this uh, this Chinese person was being asked about communism and versus an American person communicating with them and and uh, uh, basically was saying you know Christians Christianity you know gonna win and he looked back he said oh no no oh no no this communist person said no no you only give 10% we give a hundred percent come on church come on church it's time for a hundred percent it's time for a hundred percent hundred percent and I am confident in this hour that God is building an army an army of people that will activate the kingdom of God in this hour this is our moment to arise and shine for the glory of the Lord has come upon us this is a crucial hour and we must arise with the manifestations of the kingdom of God we must suit up we must sober up and we must speak up come on to see the reality of kingdom results in the atmosphere of our lives and of this nation. I do not speak presumptuously today. 
I do not speak arrogantly today. Much time, effort, and many hours of study and prayer has gone into what I'm releasing to you today. But the Lord is showing me even more this last five to seven days since we met here last Sunday that we must get bolder and bolder and more tenacious and more tenacious in our stand. If we don't use the authority that the Lord has given us, the devil will step in with the limited power that he has and begin, come on somebody. The church in this nation is the hope for this nation because of our God. The kingdom of God turns and it moves with keys, with authority. Everybody say, turn the key. The kingdom of God is activated with authority, with kingdom authority. I'll read one scripture. I'll let you be seated. Matthew 16, 19. We will come back here in just a moment. I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind and declare to be improper and unlawful on earth must be what is already bound in heaven and whatever you loose and declare lawful on earth must be what is already loosed in heaven. One more time, as loud as you can, scream, turn the key, turn the key. On your way down, tell your neighbor, it's time to activate the kingdom. Come on. Thank you, guys. Hallelujah. The spiritual keys are available to us as the body of Christ, as the army of God. And those who understand authority, spiritual authority, the authority of the kingdom, those who believe in faith, somebody shout faith, shout faith, give your neighbor a high five and say have faith and don't doubt. Come on. Those who have faith and do not doubt in their heart will use the keys of the kingdom of heaven. I said we're going to use the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said, I'm giving you my authority and I'm making a way for you to have the capacity to influence situations with answers from my realm which will dominate anything in your realm. I came with an assignment this morning as the Lord has worked on my heart these last 7 to 14 days to let me know, Kim, you've got to draw the line. Are you going to mean what you sing or is there any clout in your shout? If you're going to preach about it, then you're going to have to start turning some keys. You're going to have to start laying hands on the sick. You're going to have to start casting out devils. You're going to have to turn the key and release an open heaven over territories that are bowing under right now an agenda of the demonic realm. And God says, tell my church to stop just talking about faith and start walking in faith. Instead of listening to our co-workers talk about their problems and their illnesses, walk over the aisle and say, can I pray for you because I have faith that my God can heal you. Instead of watching all of the corrupt news that is feeding lies, why don't we shut it off and shut the door to the prayer closet and get up and ask God 
Amen. That blows their deception out and off of the airways. We must believe for an undeniable breakthrough in this season. I don't know how long. I'm talking about our nation right now, but this is personal as well. I don't know how long it's going to last. I don't think it'll be a complete four years personally because I believe the intercessors are arising as never before with their keys of authority. Please scream at your neighbor. Would you turn the key and activate the kingdom? But you know what? Just because you've been given a set of keys doesn't mean that you use them. And keys are useless if they're not used. Come on. You can even hold the keys in your hand. You can even jingle them in your pocket. We can walk around with the word. We can jingle them in our pocket. We can sing a tune. We can sing a song. We can sing a jingle in our, in our, in our spiritual pocket, if you will. But if you do not use them, church, they are only ornamental. They are only ornamental. The scripture that I just read to you is in the Bible for a reason. It's time to use the keys right now and turn them to activate the kingdom of God. If you don't use keys, they're only ornamental. They're only good for marketing. They're only good for advertising. But my friends, that would be false advertisement for the church today when you hold them and when you just sing about them, but you do not turn them. You do not use them. That's ornamental. And ornamental is a decorative thing. Ornamental is a showy thing. I didn't be put on this earth to be ornamental. I was put on this earth to be governmental. We have too many that are worried about the showiness and about the ornamentalism. They need to be worried about the legislation and the governmental part of what God has graced us to do. In this critical season, God needs an army. He doesn't need an entourage. context of Matthew chapter 16 verse 19 is a military confrontational warfare concerning the position and the attitude and the action of the church. Matthew 16, the context is a confrontational, military confrontational warfare. I'll show you in a minute. Concerning the position, the attitude, and the action of the church. I'll say it again. We do not need an entourage right now. We need an army. An army is a large body of persons that are trained for war. I'll say it again. An army is a large body. Everybody shout body. A large body body of persons who are trained and are armed for war. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of the strongholds of the enemy. I'm going to scream it this morning that you cannot be lazy in this moment. You cannot be slumbrous. You cannot cower under the mockery and the deception and the thievery of the enemy. God needs an army to mobilize. He doesn't need an entourage, entourage to trivialize the spiritual keys that he has given us. An entourage is groupies. An entourage is groupies. Hanger on, hangers on. The groupie. 
Oh, no, no. They're over here. Oh, no, no, no. They went here. Followers. Hangers on. Woo! Groupies. Random groups of people with little to no accountability and structure. and sporadically gather around a person or a platform. This, my friends, is not the church that Jesus built. I must say it again. An entourage are groupies, hangers on, and followers, loosely gathering around people and platforms. A personality having little to no structure or accountability. That is not the church that Jesus will hand his keys to. Hallelujah. Are you mad, Pastor Kim? Yes. Yes. Yes, I am. I'm mad because the devil has duped people with a Hollywood stardom mentality that instead of mobilizing with the keys of kingdom activation, the only thing they have jingling on their belt is the itinerary of this or that person or platform. And they do not understand that while that person may be fine and pure, that that is not how God wants us to mobilize. He wants us to mobilize as an army that will activate his kingdom with the spiritual keys that he has given us. You need to shout or say, oh me. Ephesians 4, 16, for his body has been formed in his image and is closely joined and constantly connected as one. They're closely joined together and they're constantly connected as one. Watch this now. This is a picture of the true church, a body that is closely joined and connected as one. Everybody say connected, say connected. And I'm not just only talking about small groups here. Come on, and I believe in those. But I'm talking about an army today that has spiritual keys that need to be inserted and turned to activate the kingdom so that God can release a divine interruption in the middle of deceptive atmospheres, in the middle of your mess, in the middle of confusion. God says, I need my body as an army joined together, connected as one. This is the picture of the true church, connected, not loose followers sporadically gathering around a platform. Come on, somebody. Shout at your neighbor, turn the key. Listen very quickly. When we talk about the church, everybody say the church. It can be likened to several different imageries in the word, and one of them is an army. One of them is an army. <clears throat> that doesn't seem to feel comfortable for some, 
It doesn't fit their vibe. It doesn't fit their stream or their camp. Come on. But I can say today that we'd better learn it right now. Because Jesus did talk about a sword. Am I right? Did Jesus say, didn't Jesus say that he came not to bring peace but a sword? Jesus knew that we were going to be engaged in conflict in this earth and in tension. And he knew that as we drew closer to the end of times, that this would get greater and greater. But he put his church in this earth, come on, to push back the forces of darkness, come on, and to confront the gates of hell. Not to just sit back and watch what the gates of hell are going to do next. You can't read your Bible and not come face to face with the concept of war. It dominates the Bible. He trains my hands for war, the psalmist said. One man has said, and I quote, the history of Christ's true church has always been one of conflict and war. Onward, Christian soldiers, marching as to war. Maybe we should start singing that song again. Uh, put a different, I don't know, beat or whatever to it. But onward, Christian soldiers, marching as to war. They had it right. Come on, somebody. Some of y'all don't even know the song. Are you with me? Come on. Onward, Christian. Look at your neighbor and say, it's onward. It's onward, soldiers. It's marching as to war. And I remind you that most of the New Testament letters were written to churches. Somebody say churches. They were not written to individuals. The letters uh, in the New Testament were not written to parachurch ministries. I'll say it again. They were not written to individuals. They were not written to parachurch ministries. The letters of the New Testament were written primarily to churches. Ephesians, the scripture that I just read out of, is a church letter from start to finish. Go at your neighbor and say, it's a church letter, y'all. Come on. It's a church letter. And I want to remind us today that the book of Ephesians, he was writing to the church of Ephesus. And the church was described as a body, a tightly, closely knit body joined together. He uses figures in Ephesians and he describes the church as a building. He describes the church as a temple. He describes the church as a bride. He describes the church as a family. And he has great emphasis upon the church as loud as you possibly can with every unction that is in you right now I want you to shout the words of the church because that frightens hell today come on shout the and I came this morning if there are any that have crawled up underneath of a rock out there to call you out to call you out and say that is not where the church belongs the church belongs standing the church belongs linked arm to arm and having our keys ready to activate the kingdom get out from underneath of the rock and get on the wall and pray building a temple, a bride, a family. And I believe that we are to be, we as a church, are to be a manifestation of all of those, yes? However, got really quiet. It seems that we have been very busy. Don't be offended because I have preached messages on exactly what I'm getting ready to say to you. We have been very busy, and this is a good thing, Dressing as a bride. And that is necessary. It is necessary 
to cultivate intimacy because your level of authority will be directly related to your level of intimacy with the bridegroom. This is a truth, this is a fact, this is a, a spiritual reality, and this is something that we should not ignore. We cannot ignore that aspect of it. In case you're wondering, before I get up here and scream for 45 minutes to an hour, to an hour and 15, to an hour and 30, whatever it ends up being whenever I get up here, I have spent, and I'm not bragging, I'm just telling you, I have spent much time cultivating my wedding gown. Come on! Much time in the throne room. Much time. But what I have seen is that we have spent so much time maybe dressing as a bride that we have conveniently forgotten our weapons. Come on, somebody. And we've replaced the weapons with a bouquet. Are you with me in the room? We've convinced ourselves that the weapons will not match our beautiful gown. But let's not forget the picture that is painted in Revelation chapter 19. And this is not going to be on the screen, so get your Bible out. Turn to Revelation 19. Put it on your phone, whatever uh, you can do. And I'm reading out of the New American Standard. Let's not forget the picture that is painted in Revelation 19. Because here is the reality of it. Starting in verse 7. Let us rejoice. Let's back up to verse 6. Then I heard something like the voice of a great multitude and like the sound of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder saying hallelujah for the Lord our God the almighty reigns and then verse 7 says let us rejoice and be glad and give glory to him for the marriage of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready it was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen bright and clean for the fine linen is the the righteous acts of the saints. I want to read verse 8 one more time for emphasis. It, they were clothed in bright and clean linen. From fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Now this verse is talking about the bride. Are you with me? Say yes if you're with me. And then he said to me, right, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. Now, if you go down to verse 11, it says, And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on the horse is called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and wages war, and his eyes are a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, crowns, and he has a name written on him, which no one knows except himself. Now, look at verse 13 and 14. He is clothed with a robe, dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Now watch, 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 watch. Nudge your neighbor, say, don't miss it, don't miss it. Verse 14 says, and the armies, would you shout armies, please? Armies. Look at your neighbor, say, and tell them. It says armies right there. Tell them. And the armies which are in heaven are clothed in what? Fine linen, 
white and clean and they were following them on white horses and from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword so that he might strike down the nations, rule them with a rod of iron and he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God the Almighty and on his robe and his thigh is written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Back up to verse 14 and look down to verse 7 and 8 because 7 and 8 and verse 14 is talking about the same church. It is the bride who is an army. Are you with me in the room? And the clothes that we are wearing are the same in verse 8 as they are in verse 14. So don't tell me that your weapons of war is going to mess up your wedding dress. Jesus said the bride has made herself ready. That means righteousness and that means I have my spiritual weapons that are ready to ride with Jesus into war. Somebody shout we are an army. Just, just come on. The bride makes herself ready in righteous acts to war against unrighteousness. My God in heaven above. If there's ever a time that the bride, the army of God needs to arise in righteousness and war against unrighteousness. It is right now. There have been some things just this week that has opened up evil over our nation. You hear what I am saying? And the only entity in this earth that can shift and turn the key and activate the kingdom is the blood-bought church of Jesus Christ that is convinced they're not just here to wait it out. We are here as an army. I need you to shout. Come on. I need you to shout. Come on because the devil. The devil doesn't want you to know the authority that you carry. As usual, we've dumbed things down to fit our comfortability. The love that I have for my Jesus as his bride causes me to war against anything that opposes him. The true bride, a true bride, will fight for her groom. Yes. Get out from underneath the rock, get up on the wall, link arms. Shield to shield. Watch this. Paul tells us that the church in Ephesians is at the center of God's purpose. Do you believe that today? The news is not going to uh, allow you to believe that. So I quit watching it. The church is at the center of God's purpose in the earth. Ephesians chapter 1 it gives witness to the universe. Ephesians chapter 3 says the glory of God will be made manifest in the church or through the church. Ephesians is a church letter. Everybody say it's a church letter. And when he comes to the end of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul has not forgotten the church. In Ephesians chapter 6, he's still thinking about the church. The church. And he wants us to look into the face here of the Ephesians church, the church of Ephesus. 
And in verse 10 of chapter 6, he begins, finally, my brethren. That's church language. Come on. How many of you have unsaved people on your job? And they just looked over you and say, brethren, brethren. Sister, sister. It's church language. It's a church letter. Everybody say, it's a church letter. In verse 12, he says, we. He's talking to the church. We, plural. He said, we are fighting, paraphrasing, fighting together. We're not in isolation. Come on. Be encouraged across this nation today, whether you're watching live now, if you're watching later in this room right now, be encouraged. We are not in isolation. Come on. As the body of Christ, we are fighting together. We not, we, there's no possible way geographically that we can all be together uh, one time at this moment. But in the spirit, come on, if we walk in faith and we walk in agreement that we are not only the bride, but we are the army of God, we can rise up right now in every situation and circumstance in our personal life and in this nation and we can understand that I'm not fighting by myself I'm not alone over here I'm not alone I don't have to be lonely in this I have millions and millions of believers in this nation who are fighting together with me the imagery that he gives in Ephesians 6 was patterned after a Roman soldier uh, an armor of the Roman soldier. And Paul had the Roman army and the soldier in mind when he wrote that part of Ephesians 6. So the idea of solitary, of solitary uh, uh, fighting of a Roman soldier going out and fighting alone, it was ludicrous. They didn't fight that way. They fought in teams. As a matter of fact, they fought in legions. They fought in great numbers of people. There was a hundred plus soldiers or more. And what made them so effective as soldiers is they had developed a perfection to their military uh, approach and the military art of a corporate maneuver where they would they would use these huge long shields side by side and they fought together and they stood together and they would form a great wall so that their opponents were not able to break through the wall when a spirit of confusion a spirit of aggravation, a spirit of frustration, a spirit of offense, you name it, buddy. He's going to launch that missile into the church, but we got to grow up. I said, we got to grow up. We got to grow up and understand that God needs us to get a revelation. He needs us to get over ourselves. Nudge your neighbor and say, get over yourself. Come on. And get on the wall and be an army. Come on. Pick up your weapon and be an army. Come on. This is a corporate picture. It's a picture of an army. And this is a picture of the church. Everybody say the church. It's a picture of the church. When the day comes that we stand side by side, locking the shield of faith and marching in cadence with the keys of the kingdom of God, then we will activate his kingdom at a level that will captivate this world's attention. It will not be able to be ignored. They can try to not report it, but they're going to have to report it because it will be all-consuming. I don't think you're hearing what I'm saying. It's time to activate, to captivate activate the kingdom to captivate the culture hear me activate the kingdom to captivate the culture isn't it about time that we use the spiritual authority that we have to activate the kingdom realm the heavenly realm the supernatural realm so this culture
culture in America and across the nations of this earth will no longer be captivated by the spirit of the age, but they'll be captivated by the glory of God. Ah! Our rationale and our passive approach to demonic control and influence in our lives or in our nation will not activate the kingdom of God. And it leaves opportunity for the sabotage of the enemy. It leaves gaping holes in the wall that is going without protection. And it's a direct access for the enemy to bring sabotage, underhanded interference, deliberate destruction and disruption, damaging by secret means, to vandalize, scandalize, disable, or cripple. This is what sabotage is. But kingdom, kingdom is God's rule and God's authority. And activation, it means that you're causing God's authority to function. Are you with me in the room? You're causing God's authority and God's rule to function. And the last time that I checked my Bible, he needs his church to turn the key. Come on. Jesus taught about this authority, this kingdom authority, and what it releases. And his desire is for us as the church to activate or cause it to function. And we do this by using the spiritual keys of the kingdom to release his kingdom realm in the earth. And now more than ever, our lives, our family, our nation, and the nations of the earth needs to see, see miracles. They need to witness the gifts of the Spirit and they need to know that Jesus Christ is Savior and He is King. This, my friends, is kingdom activation. It's time to use the keys. There are people up in your neighborhood that need to know that Jesus is Savior and Jesus is Lord. All y'all up there in the top, your people around you, they need to know that Jesus is Savior and Jesus is Lord. All of you over here, you've got a neighbor. You've got a family member that needs to understand that Jesus is Savior and Jesus is Lord. Everyone in this room, we've got keys. We've got spiritual keys of the kingdom and we've got people that are dying and going to hell. They're fearful of everything that is happening in our nation, but we hold the keys. Shout at your neighbor, turn the key. Hallelujah. Therefore, binding, loosing, opening, shutting. It's in the word for a reason. God has given us keys with the capacity to shift atmospheres and situations and outcomes. But Pastor Kim... It didn't shift the way that I wanted it to this last week or month. Wait a minute. For exactly almost 10 months, we prayed in this sanctuary and over those airways that there would be a monumental exposure of deception and lying and corruption in this nation. done yet we have intercessors that stood in this pulpit 
for hours and hours and hours for 21 days at the beginning of the stupid COVID thing when they were saying blah, 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 you know, kind of thing. Prayed and prayed. We prayed for exposure. We prayed for an uncovering. We prayed for a ripping off of the shroud. We prayed for deception to be exposed. We prayed for corruption to be exposed. And it was. And we'll pray it again this Wednesday night. Get out from underneath the rock and turn the key. Picking and choosing when we're going to use this spiritual reality of our keys is an erroneous teaching. Picking and choosing. Well, I'm going to use it here, but no, 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 it's not appropriate here. And uh, this is just all something else right here, but I'm going to use it here. I don't think so, my friend. I don't think so. We either use them in all situations or in none. Use them or not. It's that clear. I've given you keys of the kingdom of heaven. What you bind, what you lose. Come on. And trying to explain away our situations instead of getting in the way of the devil will halt kingdom activation. Aggressive faith, daring faith, obnoxious faith like I read to you in the beginning of this message. It's trying right now to be intimidated in this crucial season. But it's going to take an army. It's going to take an army. A large body of persons who are trained and armed for war. Who are willing, according to 1 Corinthians, to listen, to stay alert, to stand tall in faith, to be courageous and to be strong and to do as it says in Ephesians 6 this is a church letter everybody say it's a church letter it's a church letter therefore take up the full armor of God so that you'll be able to resist on the evil day and having done everything to stand firm stand firm therefore having belted your waist with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness the devil's greatest resistance is at the point of advance he releases his potent strategies and his deceits at the point of advance and breakthrough and my concern is that so many are consumed with just being an entourage that their spiritual training to stand in faith as an army has become weak and anemic but I came to say the true church is arising in this nation in this darkest hour Matthew chapter 16 but who do you yourself say that I am the context of the scripture that I opened with Peter replied, you are Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon. Barjona, for flesh and blood, has not revealed this to you, my father, who's in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. You are a large piece of rock. Some people are under the rock that they're supposed to be. Come on. And on this rock, Petra, huge rock like Gibraltar, I will build my church. Church. It's a church thing. Come on. And the gates of hell, Hades, the power of the infernal region shall not overpower it or be strong to its detriment or hold out against it. Did you get that? Come on. I will give you, Jesus said, against these gates. It will not prevail against you. It will not come against you and it will not hold out against you because I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind and declare to be unlawful on earth must be what is already bound in heaven. Whatever you loose and declare lawful on the earth must be already loosed in heaven. Give God a shout. It's time to turn the keys. Yes? Now, y'all gonna stay with me? 
This verse 19 here that I just read to you, it points directly to Isaiah 22, 22. Hallelujah. Then I will put the key, the key, the key, the key, the key of the house of David on his shoulder. Touch your neighbor's shoulder if you're not scared of him. Come on. The government, the authority, rest on the shoulder. When he opens, no one will shut. And when he shuts, no one will open. That verse in Matthew, where he talks about the keys, directs you to Isaiah twenty-two, twenty-two. Can you stay with me a moment? Thank you. Keys, this is not a new teaching, but we need to be reminded. For the purpose of kingdom activation and functioning of the kingdom in the middle of chaos. Keys represent authority and shoulders represent government. When Jesus said that he would build his church, he called it, the term there in the Greek is ekklesia. Now, those of you who already know this, do not check out. We have a lot of new people that have not maybe heard the context of this teaching. And you need to know what you walked up into here at Fresh Start. Come on. Because we take this ecclesia thing very serious. As should the entire church. It is the ecclesia which means a governing or legislating body, legislating body or assembly. The scripture is in Matthew is the first time the Greek word ecclesia is used by Jesus to give us a job description for his church in the earth. He was given us a function. It may not be the only function, but he was giving us this function. Are you with me? And this function as an ecclesia, if you go back into Greek culture, an ecclesia was the main governing assembly which directed the policy of the city. This ecclesia in the Greek culture was allowed to declare war. They elected generals and magistrates. They raised funds, monies. They made peace treaties. They would judge. They would vote on political matters. Are y'all still with me right now? It was a democracy with a slogan of freedom and equality for all citizens. And the word ecclesia and the meaning behind it is the word that Jesus uses in Matthew chapter 16 verses 18 and 19 to describe his church and our posture and our job description and our attitude in the earth. Do not tell me that we are not supposed to be an army. I believe that this was a specific picture that Jesus was drawing a parallel of the Greek culture and the word ecclesia. Ecclesia is when we say church. That's why I keep repeating it's a church thing. It's a church word. It's a church thing. And the devil knows that when we realize exactly what that means that his governments and strategies are in trouble because the gates of hell my 
my friends, shall not prevail against the governing, legislating assembly of blood-bought, born-again believers. So I tell us today, get up out from underneath of the rock and start being the rock that you're supposed to be. It's a church thing. Child! Let your neighbor say it's a church thing. Turn the key. Woo! And the promise is that the gates and the strategies in the government of hell will not prevail. It's an aggressive offensive attack. It's a military posture of the church in order to occupy, as he told us, and shift and change to align to his will. For his sake, for the harvest, for the harvest, for, for the harvest. Scriptures in Matthew and Isaiah speak of authority and governmental governing responsibility and capacity. And if we take these verses to heart, and if we stand in faith, watch this. Doors to kingdom activity can be open. And doors to satanic activity will be shut. So I ask us today, are you giving 10%? Are you giving 100%? You're talking about all my money? I'm not talking about all your money. I'm talking about all you. All you. All of you. All of you. All of you out there in TV land. Come on! Scream 100%. Now give me a minute. Watch this. I want to reconnect for just a second to show you something about this authority. Because it's been misused. And I guess probably all of us have been guilty of this in some way or form. My message last week entitled, Because You Prayed, Spread It Before the Lord. In the story of King Hezekiah, watch what I show you here. It is interesting that there were three messengers that brought the word to King Hezekiah. And these three messengers were in places of authority, which probably means they had some keys to the king's palace. Come on. Three, three of them had the authority to turn. The key, if you will. And they were involved with Hezekiah in their part that they played in the turning, everybody say the turning, of the nation of Judah towards victory, which I preached to you about last week. And I believe that will be the United States of America. Shebna and Eliakim were two of the three. But the rest of the story of Shebna and Eliakim shows us that only one of them ended up with the authority and the governmental control. Only one of them ended up with the key. Both of them and the other, Joab or whatever his name was, was in the king's palace with measures of authority, more than likely having some kind of keys. Are you with me? But it tells us more about Shebna and Eliakim. They both came to Hezekiah and they tore their clothes at the sound of the bad news, meaning repentance, sorrow, etc., etc., both delivered the message to the king, but it's not always what it looks like at the moment. Motive and motivation will soon be exposed. And the only one that's left standing is the one with purity of heart, with faith and resolve for the kingdom of God and kingdom activation. Only these will be given the keys to the household or to the kingdom authority. Some have keys but are turning them with a the wrong motive. You see, the same Shebna and Eliakim that I talked about last week in 2 Kings 
is the same Shebna and Eliakim in Isaiah 22. And one of them got deposed or, or brought down, uh, 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 fired, if you will, from his office, from his, of his authority in this king's palace, in the government there. And the other got the keys of authority. It was taken from one and it was given to the other. Did you hear what I just said? It was taken from one and given to, they were in the king's palace. They were in the king's palace and they had the keys. Isaiah 22, 15 through 22. Glory to God. Come. Go to this contemptible steward and treasurer, to Shebna, who is over the house, but who is presumptuous enough to be building himself a tomb among those of the mighty, a tomb worthy of a king, and say to him, what business have you here, and whom have you entombed here, that you have the right to hew out for yourself a tomb? He hews out a sepulcher for himself on the height. He carves out a dwelling place for himself in the rock. Behold, the Lord will hurl you away violently, O you strong man. Yes, he will will take tight hold of you and he will surely cover you with shame. He will surely roll you up in a bundle, Shebna, and toss you out like a ball into a large company, country, and there you will die and there you will be your, there will be your splendid chariots. You disgrace your master's house. Wow. Most when they read the Bible and they read stuff like that, they're like, surely roll bundle, sheep, scratch, bit, master, done. Done. True, but there's a story here, and it's connected directly to Matthew, where Jesus says, Upon this rock, I will build my ecclesia. The gates of hell shall not prevail, and I will give them the keys of the kingdom. Follow me, and I will thrust you from your office and from your position. You will be pulled down. They were in the king's palace. And in that day, I will call my servant Eliakim, son of Hilkiah, and I will clothe him with your robe and, and will bind with your girdle on him and will commit your authority to his hand. He shall be a father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. Are you ready for verse 22? Read it aloud with me. And the key of the house of David I will lay upon his shoulder. He shall open and no one shall shut and he shall shut and no one shall open. Watch this. Shemna was an ambitious officer that was in the king's service and out of an inflated sense of prominence fueled perhaps by selfish ambition, he had taken advantage of the king's house and he had carved out a tomb from solid rock which was a custom in that day that was usually reserved for only royalty. This was in that culture a great disrespect and dishonor for the key and authority in the government that he had been given in the king's household and the king's kingdom was meant to be used with respect and honor as to the king and the kingdom. Are you still with me, Fresh Start? Are you still with me in your living room? Get off your couch, get off your lazy boy and watch this. Because Shebna looked at his authority and he used it for his good and not the good of a nation or the king and his kingdom in this case of Hezekiah. He was intoxicated, are you with me, with the wrong thing, exterior success. He was in the king's palace and preservation of his name and status. And some historians believe literally that he conspired with Assyria to attack the nation of Judah. Come on. 
on somebody. The Lord was using this situation to expose the misuse of authority in that kingdom and to hand it to one who would use it to turn the key in the right way with the right motive for the kingdom. And the Lord God of angel army steps up and says, I'm going to depose you and thrust you from your office. You've been in the king's palace and put that authority on the shoulders of one who will use it to turn the key on behalf of the kingdom. Somebody And in that day I will call my servant Eliakim and I will clothe him with your robe and bind your girdle on him and commit your authority to his hand. And he shall be a father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and the house of Judah. And the key of the house of David I will lay upon his shoulder and he shall open and no one shall shut and shut and no one shall open. The covering, the key and the court and the government of Shebna was given to Eliakim. The opening and the shutting was now at the discretion of the one who understood the purpose of the mantle and not just the popularity of the mantle. I see this story representing a lot, but I see this story representing two churches that will be in the earth when Jesus returns and one will be an ornamental church and one will be a governmental church. If you missed the first part, rewind to several minutes ago when I said I'm not here to be ornamental. I am here to be governmental. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I see this as a picture of two churches in the earth when Jesus comes back. One will just have the ornament. They're just jingling the keys. Just jingling. Just jingling the keys. Just jingling. You like that. They're just jingling the keys. Look at me. I have keys. But what are you doing with them? One will be ornamental. One will be governmental. God not only wants loyal and humble and resolute servants who will manage the affairs of his kingdom. He wants tenacious. Come on who will be the rock and not be up underneath of a rock. Come on. It's a perfect parallel of what God expects us to do with his authority. Stay with me. Y'all give me time. Come on, give me time. Shebna and Eliakim is a spiritual parallel, a tale of two churches, of two ways his authority can be used, selfish ambition or kingdom interest. I said it's time that we be an army, not an entourage. To be haphazard or even negotiate that God wants us to govern and legislate and to work through us represents the passivity and the display of pomp of a Shebna attitude. Am I parting your hair right now? Come on. It's all viewed as ornamental and not governmental. God says I'm ready to turn the authority over to an Eliakim army who will turn the key and access my kingdom. For the sake of time, I'm not going to read, but I will just, just put them up there. And as I quickly go through them, Ephesians 3, 20 and 21 tells us that God can do great things above what we think or imagine. But it's through the power that works within us. Second Corinthians says that we have been reconciled to God through Christ, but that he has given us the ministry of reconciliation. He has committed to us the word of re reconciliation. 
Don't tell me that God doesn't want to work through us in the earth. Even in the middle of circumstances that absolutely no one can explain right now. Don't tell me that God doesn't want to use his ecclesia. Genesis, let us make man in our own, mankind in our own image and let them rule. And God blessed them and said, subdue the earth and rule. Don't tell me that God doesn't want to use his ecclesia, his governing body. I don't want to be ornamental. I want to be governmental. These and many more scriptures prove to us that God works through us when we occupy. Everybody say occupy. Jesus told us to occupy. One of the ways that we occupy is we rise up as the ecclesia. Come on, especially in moments and seasons like these, whether it be in your personal life or whether it's in our nation or whatever it is, we rise up and we use the key. We turn the key to activate the kingdom of God. Jesus spoke to seven churches in the book of Revelation, spoke to churches in the book of Revelation. And to the church of Philadelphia, which in the past years I have preached in, in, in ways, I believe this will be a, a picture, if you will, of a revival church. The one, Phil, church of Philadelphia, hang on, I'm tying this all together, was one of two churches in the book of Revelation who did not get a rebuke from Jesus. And Jesus says to them, Revelation 3, watch, and the angel, the messenger, is a church thing, y'all. To the assembly, same word, ecclesia. Are y'all with me? To the messenger, the angel of the assembly, the church. It's a church thing. Ecclesia, the governing body in Philadelphia, right? These are the words of the Holy One, the true one. He who has the key of David, authority and prayer, authority from the kingdom, who opens and no one shall shut, who shuts and no one shall open. I know your record of works, what you're doing. See, Philadelphia, church, church, the church thing. I have set before you a wide door wide open and no one is able to shut it. I know you have a little power, but you have kept my word. You have guarded my message and you have not renounced or denied my name. And a few verses down, he says, Philadelphia, church, ecclesia, it's a church thing. He says, hold fast because I'm going to make you a pillar in the house of my God. You are going to be the strong one. You are going to be the one that stands upright when everything else is bowing down. You are going to be the one that when everything else is shaking around you, you will not be shaken. It's a church thing. It's a church thing. It's a church thing. It's a church thing. Philadelphia, hold fast because I'm making you a pillar. Shout because it's a church thing. But it doesn't stop there. Because if you go back to Isaiah 22, 25, it says in that day, says the Lord, in reference to Eliakim, the nail or peg that was fastened to sure place shall give way and be moved. And it'll be hewn down and fall. And the burden or the load, if you will, on his shoulders will be cut off for the Lord has spoken it. This verse is speaking to the replacement for Eliakim. And that replacement would be Messiah. Come on. I'm not done yet. Jesus would now become the one 
with the keys and the governmental authority on his shoulder. And Jesus introduces himself to the revival Philadelphia church ecclesia. It's a church thing in Revelation chapter 3 as the one who has the key of David. The same key that Eliakim had, now Jesus has. But it doesn't stop there because the Lord still needs those who will keep the keys. And he told us in Matthew 28, behold all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And Luke 10, 19, he says, I have imparted to you all my authority to trample over the devil's kingdom. You will trample on every demon and overcome every power that Satan possesses and absolutely nothing will be able to harm you as you walk, as you walk, as you walk in this authority. So the, ow, so the keys and the covenant and the authority has trickled down and on the day of Pentecost there was a sound that came from heaven and it was like a mighty rushing wind and as Jesus took his way up to heaven Holy Spirit grabbed the keys and said here are the keys to my ecclesia. It's time to turn the key. Shout! How we pray or not pray is a sign if we believe that or not. God shapes the world by prayer, E.M. Bounds says. You can't just quote that preacher's when it's convenient for your sermon and not believe it all the time. The more praying he says there is in the world, the better the world will be. The mightier the forces against evil, the prayers of God's saints are the capital stock of heaven, he says, by which God carries on his great work on the earth. God conditions the very life and prosperity of his cause on prayer. End quote. This has been the purpose of the church since Jesus left the earth and the Holy Spirit came to the 120 in the upper room. We are conduits of God's power and kingdom purpose. His word, his authority, we turn the key. It activates the kingdom. I close with this. <clears throat> Regions in the Bible, I can get the worship team to come. That doesn't mean a thing, it just makes you feel better, right? <laughs> Regions recognize Jesus. Hear me? Regions recognize Jesus. Territories. And when I say that, I mean the ruling powers of darkness knew when Jesus walked up in a, in a region, in a city, in a territory. We know that because demons screamed out. <clears throat> Did you hear me? When the early church, and here's why, it's because when Jesus walked into a region, here's what he did, look at me. He turned the key. 
He turned the key to activate kingdom. The early church regions recognized the Acts church when they walked up into cities and regions and territories, even as they were scattered in persecution, whatever, however. You know what they knew? They knew Jesus said, it's a church thing. It's a church thing. It's a church thing. It's not a platform. It's not an entourage. It's an army. The Acts Church had it in there. Jesus' voice in their mind. Peter, the bold one on the day of Pentecost, who preached with fire. He had beating within him. Jesus. Peter, upon this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Peter, disciples, this is the Acts Church. I'm going to give you some keys to the kingdom of God. Within the kingdom of God, this was Jesus' permission for us to access everything in the kingdom righteousness, peace joy healing deliverance, freedom authority so when they walked up in regions they didn't walk as an entourage they walked as an army those of you online are you listening they didn't walk as an entourage a silly groupies of people that are gathering around a platform. They walked as an army. And they went into regions and as soon as they step their foot on the territory, the principalities and the ranks of darkness that were oppressing begin to scream. Regions recognize Jesus. Regions recognize the Acts Church. I had to ask myself, do regions recognize me? Church in Arizona, does this territory recognize us? All over the nation that is watching today and even the nations of the earth, does that territory recognize? It's a church thing, y'all. It's a church thing. It's an ecclesia governing. I'm not ornamental. I'm governmental. Because Jesus said he was going to build his church. Jesus taught about the kingdom. The Acts Church taught about the kingdom. They lived the kingdom of God. Everything in God's realm. They understood that if they would turn the key, the power of God would be on display. It is time for the power of God to be on display. Watch this now. A few years ago, exactly 2017, <clears throat> if you're new to the church, you have probably not heard the story unless you've watched it on YouTube or read my book. But I'm going to tell it again because it fits. 
and because I believe that the prophetic manifestation of this in 2017 is resonating right now. It was June the 11th. 11th is a number of transition, can be called chaos as well. Maybe a couple of other things, but significant number. Children of Israel were at a place, it only took them 11 days to get from the sea to Mount Horeb. Are y'all with me? And on the 11th day, they had a choice to make. They had a choice to make if they were going to cross over or, or stay and go back. And they began to complain because they were uncomfortable. See, crossing over moments make you uncomfortable. Yeah. They were uncomfortable. And so he sent some spies out. They spied. And Chen came back with a negative report. Nudge your neighbor say, don't be that person. Come on. Two came back with a positive report. The 10 negative one. Hmm. Did you hear me? The 10 negative one. And millions of people wandered in a wilderness for 40 years because they believed the wrong report. On the 11th day. On the 11th day. Are you with me? This was June the 11th, 2017, and we came to church that day here at Fresh Start. My husband was preaching that morning, and I put on a pair of shoes that was in the closet. It was in the back of the closet. I hadn't worn them in a while, and so I was searching for them, finally found them, grabbed them, put them on, ran out the door. We came to church. My husband preached a message that day, and in part of the message, he dealt with our spiritual authority. What I don't have time to tell today is the years and the years and the years of where the principality, the spirit of Jezebel had attacked uh, this church and had attacked my husband and I. And for years and years, it would level, uh, it would, people would leave, people would come, people would leave. Are you hearing me in the room today? Uh, there would be contention, there would be strife, there would be accusations, there would be this. Now, he and I are not perfect. We're ordinary people. We didn't do everything right. But you hear me now. This was more than just, just cranky people that didn't get their nap that day. Come on. This was a demonic principality that was repetitively being aimed against the revival. Hear me. Because the devil didn't want us to get to where we are today. And he'll use circumstances, he'll use situations, and he'll use people. And so that happened repetitively, plus there was personal, uh, physical attacks and all this blah, 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 kind of stuff. And we came to church, and he preached that message, and that part of the message, he began to speak against, the Lord had already been teaching us as a staff and as a church, pressing into learning more about this, to know that we better learn, we better learn how to not only just face that thing, but to annihilate that thing and not give it opportunity. So my husband spoke to that spirit that day and that principality. And I mean, you can go find it on YouTube, I guess, and find out what the exact words were. And it wasn't a very long particular thing. But what I know in the spirit realm, because of the prophetic sign, was that it literally, I know that it annihilated the tentacles that for years this spirit and principality had tried to intimidate, had tried to suppress, had tried to, to halt and stop and abort the revival that you are now a part of at Fresh Start Church. 
And when we got home that afternoon, I went to take the ridiculously uncomfortable shoes off. Come on, women, and say amen. And put them back in the shoebox in my closet. And as I looked down to put them in the shoebox, there was a set of keys that I had lost probably three or four years earlier that were in that shoebox. I had no rational reason for losing the keys, but those keys were keys that opened every single door of the, of the, of the doors on this campus of, of, the, of Fresh Start Church. Are you getting what I'm saying? I had lost those keys three or four years. I searched and searched and search never did find them but God says I'm gonna hide I'm gonna hide these keys these are the very keys I have kept them and I have preached this across the United States of America and I am reminding fresh start today and anybody else that wants to listen in that God says Kim that I looked down in the shoebox and there were the keys that I had lost three to four years earlier I had looked everywhere I had searched everywhere But God says, I'm going to teach you a lesson in a season where you need it most. And I looked down and in that shoebox, I said, oh my Lord, I found the keys. And the Holy Spirit said, yes, you found the keys, Kim. Now use them and don't ever lose them again. Get up on your feet in this place and shout, turn the key. Thank you for listening in to the Fresh Start Church podcast, where we exist to influence a nation with revival. You can order Pastor Kim's book, Doorkeepers of Revival, at doorkeepersofrevival.com. And you can listen to Fresh Start Revival Worship on Apple Music, Spotify, or wherever you stream your music. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next time.